hello and welcome to Faith Life 365, episode number 17. My name is Tim Hardison, and we are talking about hindrances to faith. I want you to please visit my website and blog at www.faithlife365.org. From there, you can link to our videos on Rumble and YouTube and to the podcast on Podbean or read the blog if you prefer reading. So if you missed any past episodes, you can go back, listen, and get caught up. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about being born again, becoming a new creature, a new creation, when we accept Jesus, and how by not understanding that, it's a hindrance to our faith. So let's pray and get started. Father God, we come before you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you. We praise your holy name, Father. We thank you for your many blessings that you give us throughout each day. Lord, we pray that you will open our eyes so that we may see in our ears, so that we may hear that you would give us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding now as we read and study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. God's word says that when we believe in Jesus and become Christians, we are born again. We're made to be new creatures, new creations in Christ Jesus. So what does this mean? Now, in order to answer this question, let's begin by looking at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry and then what Jesus said about being born again. Now, John the Baptist began preparing the way for Jesus by preaching the message of repentance for sins and being baptized. He preached to the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, and then baptized Jesus at Jesus's request. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 17 of the English Standard Version. Now, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat in the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you and Do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased." Wow. 
John the Baptist's preaching and teaching of the repenting of your sins and being baptized was a new teaching. Jesus went to John and asked John to baptize him. Now, this completely shocked John. It took him aback. John argued, I need to be baptized by you, and, and do you come to me? You know, think about that for a moment. Why would Jesus need to be baptized? Jesus was without sin. John was preaching and baptizing people for repentance of sin. What would Jesus need to repent for? Jesus explained by saying, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. See, Jesus was without sin, but he was fulfilling his Father's will. His baptism symbolized his submission to his Father's will and the beginning of his earthly ministry and ultimately his fulfilling of God's perfect plan for our salvation. Jesus was without sin, but in just three short years, he was going to become sin. He was going to become all sin, a sin for, for all of mankind uh, from the beginning to the end. Yes, and that includes mine and yours. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 of the King James Version says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, the result of Jesus' act of submission and being baptized and fulfilling all righteousness was that as soon as he came up out of the water, the heavens were open, the Holy Spirit descended upon him, and God said in an audible voice, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine being John the Baptist or any of the others present when God spoke? I, it, it's hard to imagine what that would have sounded like. I Really, I can't even imagine the thundering, the voice coming from the heavens. But it, it does give me some chill bumps thinking about it. Now, let's look at what Jesus said about being born again. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, and this is the English Standard Version. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, but no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not know or understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. See, Jesus is preparing them for what's about to happen once he lays his life down 
as the ultimate and final blood sacrifice, establishing the new covenant. When Jesus spoke these words, the new covenant did not exist. Eternal life through Christ Jesus did not exist. The Holy Spirit had not yet descended to dwell in us. This was a new teaching to his disciples, the priest and the Jewish people. They knew the Messiah was coming someday. Some believed that Jesus was or at least maybe could be the Messiah. But see, they were looking for a Savior. They were looking for a Messiah that was going to come in mightily, you know, one greater than King David and King Solomon, conquering all their enemies and overthrowing the Romans who were ruling over them at the time and setting up God's kingdom on earth. See, they didn't understand Jesus when he talked about being born again. They were ready to, hey, where's the, let's pick up the battle, you know, uh, armor and everything and get going here. It just didn't make any sense to them. It certainly didn't fit in with the picture of the Messiah they were looking for. Nicodemus, he was a ruler, an elder. He was a rabbi, held a high position as a member of the great Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin, the great Sanhedrin was the Jewish high court system. It would be similar to being... Um, on, on the United States Supreme Court. So Nicodemus was completely perplexed when Jesus made these statements uh, of truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. What did Nicodemus do? Nicodemus exclaims, how can these things be? <laughs> you know. Well, many people today feel much like Nicodemus. How can these things be? You know, they look there and they say, uh, well, you know, they, they write off. They'll just write off being born again as crazy talk. You crazy Christians, you crazy people over there. But the reason these people feel this way is because they're living in the flesh. Their reasoning is based solely on their five senses. They don't understand the Spirit. They don't understand that it is our Spirit that is born again and has made a new creature, a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's not our flesh. Actually, there are Christians who believe in Jesus, have accepted Him as their Lord and Savior, but still don't completely grasp the fullness of being born again and being made a new creature, a new creation in Christ. When we live in the flesh, we're guided primarily by our five senses. Our flesh and blood brain, without input from our senses, has no ability to learn or understand or create anything either. So let's consider one born without the ability to see, hear, or feel. You know, the primary senses available would be taste and smell. Well, the brain would be able to learn different tastes and different smells, but it would have no way of associating them with anything. Your brain would not know that sugar is sweet or a lemon is bitter. It would perceive the difference between sweet and bitter tastes and smells, but it would have nothing else to relate the tastes and smells to. It would never be able to learn to communicate the difference or even understand the difference, uh, at least as, as we do. There's nothing wrong with the brain. It just doesn't have all the necessary inputs from all the five senses in order to learn and fully develop. So practically everything we know and learn in the flesh from the time of our birth comes from sight, sound, touch, smell, and taste. You know, our brain develops and learns 
we become the product of what we see, hear, feel, smell, and taste. However, our brain is not all that we are composed of. God created us with a soul and a spirit. Now, the word soul in the Bible is translated from the Greek word suke. It's P-S-U-C-H-E. And suke is defined by Thayer's Greek lexicon as the soul. <clears throat> Excuse me, the soul. The seat of the feelings, desires, affections, aversions, our heart, soul. The human soul, insofar as it is constituted, that by the right use of the aids offered it by God, it can attain its highest end and secure eternal blessedness. The soul regarded as a moral being designed for everlasting life. The soul as an essence which differs from the body and is not dissolved by death, distinguished from other parts of the body. Our soul, or our suke, is not of the flesh and does not die with the flesh body. It is who we are as a person. It's, it's our mind, our emotions, our will, our desires, our affections. It's our character. It is who we are as a human. It's our humanity. Uh, far too often, we allow who we are or who we become as a person to be solely developed and dominated through and by our five senses. Our spirit is not of the flesh. Our spirit is of God. When looking at definitions of the word spirit, it's difficult to distinguish the difference between the soul and the spirit. The word spirit in the New Testament is translated from the Greek word pneuma. It's P-N-E-U-M-A. The simple definition of pneuma is wind, spirit. This word is used 385 times in the New Testament. You know, Based on where it is used, it can have a different meaning. Now, as we are looking at the spirit of man and how that relates to being born again, I will use the definition of the word pneuma in Thayer's Greek lexicon as given in reference to its use in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. And I'll read that from the English Standard Version. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, or pneuma, and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Thayer's Greek lexicon, in reference to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, states that pneuma, the spirit, is the rational part of man, the power of perceiving and grasping divine and eternal things, and upon which the Spirit of God exerts its influence. Luther says that pneuma is the highest and noblest part of man which qualifies him to lay hold of incomprehensible, invisible, eternal things. In short, it is the house where faith and God's Word are at home. Now, Dake's Annotated Reference Bible is on page uh, 1042. Uh, If you have one of the Dake's Bibles, it defines pneuma or spirit like this. The primary meaning is invisible force. The spirit of man is the intellect, the will, mind, conscience, and other invisible faculties that make him a free moral agent and a rational being. Both the soul and spirit of man are immortal. They are so closely related that it is hard to distinguish the finest details of difference between them. But there is a difference. This is clear from 1 Thessalonians 5.23 and Hebrews 4.12. In general, we can say that the spirit is that which knows and that's 1 Corinthians 2.11 as a reference. And the soul is that which feels. Both make the inner man which leaves the body at death. 
Now, Hebrews 4.12 of the New Living Translation says, For the word of God is alive and powerful, is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 11 and 12 of the New Living Translation says, No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely giving us or given us. So clearly, we can see that God's word draws a distinction between the spirit and the soul. Unlike every other creature on earth, humans are born with a spirit. Animals have souls, but not spirits. But we are created in the likeness of God, and God is spirit. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, So, and this is English Standard Version, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, New Living Translation, But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. For those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So what's the difference between the spirit of a Christian and the spirit of a non-Christian? We all feel things in our spirit. You may know this as, as intuition or instinct. These are things that we know or feel without conscious reasoning. You may have a strong feeling not to pull out immediately You know, when a light turns green, and then suddenly there comes a car blasting through the red light. Well, as we've talked about in, in earlier uh, episodes, it was through Adam's sin that man's relationship with God was lost. Because of sin, death entered for all. Adam didn't lose his suke or his soul when he sinned. He lost his righteousness, and because of that, his spiritual position in God was severed. His position in the heavenlies was severed. God could not be in fellowship with sin. Because of Adam's sin, mankind's spiritual position in God and heaven was severed because sin had entered the world, and by default, all were born into sin. Romans 5.12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And 1 Corinthians 15, 21, 22, King James, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Because of Adam's sin, all flesh will die. But because of Jesus Christ, our spirit can be born again, made to be a new creation, a new creature, and have eternal life. We must simply make the choice to believe in Jesus and ask him into our life. Our flesh body will die and return to the earth, but our reborn spirit will have eternal life through Jesus Christ. When we believe and accept Jesus into our life, our suke, our spirit, is born again. It's literally made to be a new creation, a new creature. Our born-again spirit is born of God. We become children of God. Now, this means we become a part of the life of God, just as Jesus. 
God's very nature becomes a part of our spirit. We become spiritually seated in the heavenlies. We become the body of Christ. We are made the righteousness of God. Just as Jesus was raised up as the first of the newborn, the firstborn. Now, Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 6, New Living Translation. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Jesus said in John 16, verse 28 of the King James Version, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. We come from the Father when our spirit is born again. Just as Jesus, when we leave this world, we go to the Father because our our spirit has been reborn again into him. Now, 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. This is the Amplified. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away. And behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life But all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, making us acceptable to him, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, so that by our example we might bring others to him. To be born again means that our spirit is recreated. Our spirit is made to be a new creation, a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit, by God Almighty. Our spirit is no longer dead in sin. Our new spirit is made the righteousness of God. It is sin-free. It doesn't matter how bad you were in your past or what you did. Your spirit is renewed and made white as snow. God does not see your past. It's been wiped clean. You Become a new child in Christ Jesus. You have all the rights of a child of Almighty God. You're a brother, a joint heir with Jesus. You can boldly come before the throne of your Father in heaven to petition him in prayer. You have the right to use the powerful name of your brother and Savior, Jesus Christ. You have become the church, the ecclesia, the body of Christ. Think about this. Meditate on it. Let it sink down inside of you what your reborn spirit means. And right now, we are out of time. We started on this journey talking about hindrances to our faith back in episode five, and we're going to continue on this for a while. Um, So I I want to thank you right now for uh, joining me. I want to thank you for listening. May God bless you and keep you today and every day as we grow in faith and live the faith life 365 days per year.